uh, we continue in the second part of this sermon series, Jesus, uh, King of Kings. And uh, I, I got to tell you, it's a funny thing. This is how my day started this morning. So, um, you know, I preached last night and, you know, I, um, I have my sermon notes and whatnot up here. And so what happens every year, every, every week, I, I'm very methodical. Um, and um, that's why it makes, makes me a really good Methodist, by the way. And, um, <clears throat> and so I have the kind of a regiment. So I had done all my sermon preparation on Tuesday, got it all together. Thursday, I usually spend time kind of memorizing my sermon. So anyway, so then I, I take my sermon notes and then I write down all the details of like other things I want to make sure I highlight. And so I have these. And so I preached my sermon last week, last night. And we were in Donna's car last night. And then we had gone to dinner. And then we got home. And then this morning, I suddenly realized that all my sermon notes and my Bible and everything was at Lake Panasofsky. So they're going to get a really good sermon down there, won't you know? And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, we're just going to see how this all kind of shakes out today. Okay. We're going to find out how really how good your preacher really is. So let's give it a shot. Okay, so I do have a few notes up here that I made a, a copy. So anyway, so I want to start with this this morning. Uh, so this is where we're headed this morning. So I have my little, um, my iPad. So we'll see if we can get this to, to work. So, um, so here is, let me put this up here. Here we go. Got this. So here's this little kind of timeline. And so this is where we're going we're to focus on the Old Testament. And we're going to talk about the prophets this morning. This is important then how the prophets ultimately connect in with the gospel story and Jesus and the Advent story. And then we're going to talk about the second coming. And hold on, hold on, hold on. The second coming, if I can, there, second coming. This is important also. And then we're going to talk about heaven. This is where we're headed, heaven. And you and me. So this is where we're headed today. We're going to talk about Old Testament prophets, New Testament, Jesus, the Advent story, Nativity, Second Coming, and uh, Heaven, You, and Me. So let's talk about that. So um, I, the, the key of focus today um, has to do with hope. And um, I have, um, I, much, you know, I've got this great definition for hope, and I found this, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. I would agree with that. Can you say it with me? Participation for the sermon. Hope, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Okay. So here's the deal. There have been times in my life that I have had a lot of hope, and there have been times in my life that I have felt somewhat of a sense of hopelessness. You ever felt homeless? Hopeless? Yeah, okay. So um, I was kind of reflected upon my life, and I thought about... Okay, but there are people that have come. And, I, you know, I love one of the things I love about the Christmas story is we have angels. You know, I have Angel Gabriel coming to, uh, to Elizabeth. We get Angel Gabriel coming to Zachariah. We get Angel Gabriel coming to Mary. And it's all part of the Christmas uh, nativity story. It's just a beautiful. So, you know, when we think about angels, angels are usually put in the context of they're messengers. They bring a message. And usually, in this context, um, they're a messenger of hope. And there have been times in my life that I think, and I guarantee you there have been people in your life that God has sent an angel, maybe not with angel wings, but a person that has been a messenger of hope. So, for example, um, after I had my accident, um, my friend Don Piper flew all the way in from Houston, Texas one day, and here's a picture of him and me, and he walked with me that morning. Flew all the way from Houston, Texas to take a, a half an hour walk around the block. 
Um, and I really appreciate it. And why did he do that? Because he loves me. But he also, I think he knew, because Donna had been communicating with him, there was a time in which I felt a sense of hopelessness, right? Um, I think about my friend Don. And so I think that Don was like a messenger, a, a, an angel from God sent to me to bring me some hope. Then I think about my friend. Can you see that next slide of my friend, Dr. Tooley? She's the one who put me back together again. And I'm really grateful for her. It's always good to have good doctors that can put you back together again. I just want you to know. This is a blessed thing. Okay. And so uh, Dr. Tooley was one of those people in my life that I'm really grateful for that I think God put her in my life um, to bring me hope, especially when you're, you find you're at a place, and I'll never forget this day. Um, um, I was going along, and I felt like I was doing great, and all of a sudden got this nasty infection, but I didn't really know that I had an infection, and then they told me I had an infection. And what Dr. Tooley told me, and she gave me hope, she says, Harold, you're going to get better. And I believed her. And then I, I thought about, um, I thought about my, my friend, I don't even know his name, but um, a couple of years ago, I was down at the, um, uh, the site, it's in Samaria, and it's called the Woman at the Well Church. And so here's a picture of the priest blessing me. I've shared this picture with you before. And I love that. You know what was great about that is that the priest takes this holy water, right? And he just throws it on me, right? And it came out of the well of Jacob. I mean, you can't get any more blessed from the water from Jacob's well, okay? And have this holy priest throw this water on you. And, and it was just, and then he says, and he was a little, he's just like a little guy. He had, I just stooped down and he puts his hand on me and he does this, uh, this uh, Greek Orthodox, I guess, uh, prayer. And it was just, I don't remember, I don't understand. I didn't understand a word he was blessing me with, but I felt the Holy Spirit. I would put it that way. And I, just another person in my life that God put in my life that's brought me hope in the midst of sense of hopelessness. And then a couple of weeks ago, I, let me throw this picture up. And the, can you put that next slide up? This is Henry Landworth. And I mentioned him last, a couple of weeks ago. And Henry was the one who started that whole nonprofit called Give Kids the World. And it's a special place that children can go. It's this beautiful village. And then they can go to Disney World and... And, and, you know, he was a Holocaust survivor, became extremely successful in the ho uh, hotel industry and wanted to give back. And uh, it's amazing that he survived because he actually was in Auschwitz. And I think he was from, I think he lived five years in a concentration camp from 13 to 18. Amazing that he, he survived. And, and so what, and what I, when I watched the interview, when I went back and did my kind of my work on researching him, I thought it was really powerful in that um, the reason why he did what he did, created this village for these children, is he just wanted to give them hope. He was hoping that somehow by coming to that place and, and bringing joy to their life, it might extend their lives. Gosh, that's amazing. Hope. So um, I, as I think about this this week, um, I'm thinking about this, this wonderful story that we have today and from the Old Testament. As I mentioned, from the Old Testament, we have the prophets. And so let's just start with the book of Isaiah. Um, well, let's go back to the original part of the story. So David. So there is, um, this is a story, and we got to tie in with David. Does he remember David's father's name? His name was Jesse. Okay. And so um, you all know the story. So once upon a time, uh, Samuel, um, Saul's not doing right, and God's not happy with King Saul, so he's got to get a new king, and he goes to appoint Samuel, who's a prophet, and he goes and says, I want you to go to the house of Jesse, and he says, one of them's going to be, one of his sons is going to be the next king. 
So um, Jesse had eight sons, and so they line up. And so what's interesting, um, he, Jesse only brings seven of his sons even to the party. And so Samuel comes in, and he sees the first one, his big, tall, strapping one, and God says, no, that's not him. And he goes to number two, he goes to number three, number four. He goes through each one of Jesse's sons, and out of those seven, he, he, God makes it very clear, that's not the one. And then Samuel says to Jesse, hey, you got any other sons around here? And he says, yeah, I've got one. He's out in the out in this pasture. You know, he's kind of the run of the litter. He says, well, go get him. And he brings him and puts him before Samuel and God says, that's the new king. And he was just a little shepherd boy. It's a pretty powerful story, isn't it? Someone has actually asked me a little bit about that story last night, about him being a shepherd. And I think maybe the reason why God chose David, and ultimately he was the rudd of the litter, is that, once again, God can raise up someone who is as humble and lowly as a shepherd. And shepherd would not look really favorable upon 1,000 years, 3,000 years ago, Right? And yet he raises him up to be the greatest king. And what's very powerful, and we all, and I've just, you know, finished up a sermon series about David and about kings, is that, you know, David had his moments. David was actually, I mean, considered the greatest king in Israel's history, but he was also, he, um, he did some pretty dastardly things, right? But yet, in the midst of all that, what we find about David, and I actually preached a whole sermon about this, is that David was a man after God's own heart. God really continued to love him, even though that he had all these, well, he had some flaws in his life. But what we find about that part of the story is that it's really important that we find that the king of all of Israel will come from the house of Jesse. Now, what's really important about this is that once upon a time, there was another prophet by the name of Nathan. Nathan, and we also might know Nathan, a part of the story is that when David had completely messed up and he ends up having sexual relations with Bathsheba, she ends up pregnant, he ends up killing Bathsheba's husband, and you know, that whole diabolical... So Nathan's the one who's the prophet goes to David and calls him out, right? But there's also a place of scripture that's a beautiful piece of scripture, and this is what Nathan has to say to David. The Lord... The Lord's word came to Nathan, go to my servant David and let him know. Thus they say of the Lord, your dynasty and your kingdom will be secured forever before me. Your throne will be established forever, forever, forever. And we call this the Davidic covenant. This is a place in which, and of course, this goes back 3,000 years ago. And so what this, the scripture that we have is that God's making established a covenant with the line of David and that, God, that, David's, some, that, that David's kingdom, that the kingdom will reign forever. And it comes from David's line, which is ultimately from the house of Jesse. Hold on to that. Now, the problem with that is, okay, and this is where we get, the, um, and we're going to fast forward to 300 years forward when we get to the prophet Isaiah. And I told you all, this is, I'm going to tell you, this is, y'all going to think, where's he going with this? It's all going to come together, trust me. Okay, so, um, so what's very interesting is that, um, so when you, when you find this part of the story, David, um, uh, uh, Nathan establishes his covenant with David, and the problem with that is there is going to be some times in which the children of Israel, you ready? They don't have a king, and they don't even have a kingdom. So how can we have a king and a kingdom? I mean, what, how, can, how can God's reign ultimately reign with the children of Israel and that this king is going to reign forever when they don't even have a king or for even a kingdom? 
And how we know that is that, once again, once we go back to a little bit of history. So Isaiah arrives on the screen around, around 700 um, B.C. And so Isaiah's prophesied, and you all remember last week, is that Isaiah ultimately prepares the children of Israel. He says, listen, you need to turn from your ways. You need to repent. That was the key word last week, repent. You need to repent. Why do you need to repent? Well, from your idolatry and also for being not showing justice to people poor people. You, you're, you're focusing on yourself. You're not focusing on God, and this is not going to be good. And if you don't turn your free ways, I'm telling you what, God's going to hold back his hedge of protection, and it ain't going to be good. So you need to straighten up, and they don't. So guess what happens? So at 722 BC, the Assyrians come in, and they just pummel the northern kingdom of Israel. And, and, so, um, and so basically, uh, uh, Isaiah was like, I told you so. Right? And so the people are taken away, and it's just a really horrible, horrible time. Once again, guess what? The children of Israel have no king, and they don't have, even have a kingdom because it's been taken from them. So around um, 714 uh, B.C., um, there is a king of Israel, and his name is uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah is actually a good king. And he, but here's the interesting thing. Hezekiah has to answer to the Assyrian king. And so he, he's like a little king. He's not a big king. The Assyrian king is a really big king, right? And what's also we find, and actually you go back and look at biblical history, is that Hezekiah had to, ultimately, they had to pay, and the southern part of the kingdom of Judah had to pay taxes to Assyria in order to leave them alone. So as long as they paid their taxes, and ultimately Assyria would actually leave them alone. Around 705 B.C., um, the Assyrian king evidently dies. So Hezekiah builds kind of alliance with some of the kingdoms around the area, and they say, hey, listen, why don't we just kind of take hold of our own property? Well, we don't have to pay taxes anymore. Wouldn't that be nice, right? We don't have to pay taxes anymore. And so they lead a revolt, and we, there we go. And we, they lead a revolt, and so all of a sudden, um, um, everything's going pretty well for the Israel people. And then the Assyrians, they have a new king. And he's not a happy camper. And he comes into the southern kingdom, and he pummels, there's like 40 cities that ultimately in the southern kingdom, and he pummels them. And what's very interesting is that he leaves one city alone, Jerusalem. He doesn't demolish Jerusalem. And what's also very interesting about that particular part of the story is he also doesn't actually kill Hezekiah. Normally, you would have thought the Assyrian king would have killed Hezekiah and pummeled Jerusalem, would complete. he leaves. It's interesting about that part of the story. He leaves them. And here's, here's the catch, and here's the caveat. So the king of Assyria actually leaves him alone, Hezekiah, and says, but here's the catch. I need about, and here's and daily dollars today, about $13 million dollars. And they literally had to pull off the gold in the temple in order to, make, in order to make, pay the ransom, in order to ultimately the, the Assyrian king would leave them alone. Now, why do I tell you all this? It's very interesting. Is that this has actually all been documented. And there's a place called, in the Bible called Nineveh, which is in modern-day place called Iraq. And in 1845, they actually found these great big tablets that describe exactly why I just described to you all that's in the Bible, which authenticates this whole story. And here's a picture of those tablets. And so what's very interesting, what I want you to understand about this, so you see the, the king on the throne, and then you see another prophet or other prophets coming. But do you see the people in the background who are actually kneeling down? Guess who those are? It's the Jewish people bowing down to the Assyrian king. 
So when I look at this story, it's a very powerful story, but what I, what I continue to cling to in this part of this, with the scripture lesson is sometimes what we need most of all is the promise of hope. And so what we find is even the children of Israel are going through this terrible, horrible time that they have this, this very powerful twist. The part of the story is that ultimately Isaiah gives them this, this powerful piece of scripture. And ultimately the scriptures ultimately point to that there is going to continue to be hope. And what we find in Isaiah, and Isaiah once again points this, this he says this, a shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse. A branch will sprout from his roots. Can you put that up on the screen for me, if you could please, if we may be possibly? I think we have that. A shoot shall grow up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch sprout from the roots. So why do I tell this part of the story to you all today? And here's a really interesting thing. You ready? What's up with the stump? Now, I never thought about this. But when you think about a stump, by the way, I have my visual aid today. You all are probably thinking, okay, what's Harold going to do with the axe, right? So I have a stump, I have my visual aid, and here's the axe. So here's the interesting part of the story. When you look at the children of Israel, guess what the Assyrians do? They cut them down. They cut down the children of Israel, and there ain't nothing left but a dead stump. Over and over again, we find this part of the story that the children of Israel, and we find in the prophet Isaiah, he says, listen, ultimately, we know they're gonna, they get cut down over and over and over and over again, and there's nothing left but a stump. And yet, and yet the prophet Isaiah gives us this wonderful little twist to the story. And the twist to the story is a shoot will grow up from the stump of Who? Jesse. Who's Jesse? David's father. A branch will sprout from the roots. A branch will sprout from the roots. Who's the sprout? Who's the sprout? Jesus is the sprout. You get it? So the children of Israel have been cut down over and over and over again. And that's the reason why I told you the prophet part of the story. But the promise that we have is there's going to be a sprout that's going to come from the stump of Jesse. And he is going, ready, to reign forever and ever and ever. How do we know that? Because Nathan told David a thousand years before. Wow. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So let me ask you something. Here, here's the participation part of the sermon. When have you ever felt like a stump? When I woke up this morning. <laughs> no, Really? Haven't we all felt at some point in our lives we've been maybe just cut down in life? Here, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a really current event. So like Monday night, uh, I didn't start, I was not feeling very good. And then Tuesday morning, I was feeling really, really bad. And what I had was what we call food poisoning. Oh, oh, 
I tell you what, things were moving everywhere. I just want you to know that. And it wasn't moving in the right direction. I was sick as a dog. It was awful, you know? So the two questions that kind of come out is like, can someone please just come shoot me, right? And the second question is, is this ever going to get any better? And so once again, this is the story that we have in our lives. There are places in our lives that we ask the same question, right? Is this ever going to get any better? Because we feel like we've been cut down. And I guarantee you there are people in this room that have felt like you've been cut down. No doubt, 100%. Maybe you've been cut down because your husband left you and walked in one day and said, you know, I don't love you anymore. How are we going to divide up the assets and our children? Or maybe you've been cut down when you go into the doctor's office and all of a sudden you got, they did the blood work and they found something. They go, oh, um, this isn't looking good. Or maybe you have had a sick child, either physically or emotionally. I remember those days. And you feel like you're a stump because you've been cut down over and over and over again. And here's the question you ask, God, is it going to get any better? And this is the story that we find for the, well, the thousand years before Jesus even arrives on the scene. Because the children of Israel have been cut down over and over and over again. And yet, we find this wonderful promise from the book of, uh, and the, from Isaiah. He says, listen, there's going to be, um, you know, out of, the sh- out, of the, out of the stump, there's going to come a, sh- well, um, a sprout, a branch from his root. Yeah, here, here's, a, uh, here's a really interesting thing I found this week. Um, the word branch and the Hebrew word is called netzer. And Netzer is connected with, with the word Nazareth. Let that sink in for a second. So which means that maybe, I don't know who named Nazareth, but maybe the idea that, I read this this last week, that maybe the connection, whoever named Nazareth was hoping that someday that the Messiah would come from their actually hometown. The branch. The sprout. From Jesse. Uh, you know what's also interesting is that we find in the story this this connection, this idea that the the uh, how um, Isaiah prophesies and ultimately gives this kind of dynamic. And I I love. Well, by the way, let me just say this: in, uh, we haven't sang this song yet, but um, I love this song and the words from "O come, O come, O come, all you faithful." You ready? "O come, all you faithful." Number second verse. Oh, we don't normally sing this one. O come thou root of Jesse's tree, and sign of thy people be before thee. Rulers silent fall, all peoples on the mercies call. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Isn't that beautiful? Where we get that? From the Bible. Um, so here's interesting. So the, um, Isaiah says this about this shoot of Jesse. A thousand years before, you know, or actually 700 years before Jesus arrives. The Lord's spirit rests upon him, a spirit of wisdom, understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. So where else do we find this whole thing about the spirit resting upon the Messiah? One minute, one minute, you ready? Jesus' baptism. He's baptized by John the Baptist, and all of a sudden, what do we hear there? And all of a sudden, do you... Remember, ultimately, we, we find that the Lord's Spirit will rest upon him, Isaiah says, 
and the dove comes down upon Jesus Christ, and the, Lord, and the heavens open up, and this is my son with whom I am well pleased. The Spirit rests upon Jesus at his holy baptism. Well, man, where else? After Jesus is attempted in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, he ends up showing up at his own hometown. No prophet's going to be accepted in his own hometown. He begins, he unrolls the scriptures, the Isaiah, and says, and listen, by the way, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the captives and to set them free. And he rolled it all up, and then they tried to kill him. See the connection? Everything what Isaiah has talked about, about this whole thing about spirit, is all thing. And by the way, Isaiah even talks about, and he will judge the needy with righteousness, the needy with righteousness, and decide with equity for those who suffer in their land. What, wait, a minute, wait a minute, who did Jesus' whole ministry focus on? The needy, the nobodies. And it was prophesied 700 years before. And then we get to the woman, and then we get to the New Testament. And this is what Angel Gabriel comes and says, Hey, to Mary, hey, don't be afraid, Mary. Good. Hey, God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. And he'll rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Wait a minute. Where have we heard this before? Where have we heard this before? Samuel tells and the prophet and says, listen, out from the house of David, Jesse's house, ultimately David is being told that he will reign, his descendant will reign forever. Connection. And from the shoot of Jesse, we have hope. And then we find this wonderful part of the story, and I love this part, and it has to do with the second coming. And so the second coming has to do with, so the wolf will live with the lamb, and Isaiah Isaiah says, when his king, king comes, and the wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down, and the young goat, and the calf and the young lion will feed together, and all these animals will not eat each other anymore. And a little child would lead, lead them. You know what's interesting about that? Think about the second. What, what, is, Jesus, what is this all about? The idea that Jesus is going to come again. By the way, some of our Jewish brothers and sisters say, listen, you know, we don't believe in the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah because he didn't fulfill the prophecies. By the way, do you, do you realize that Jesus did promise he's coming back? Have you been on that? He did promise that. And maybe Jesus is going to fulfill the rest of the prophecies when he comes back. There you go. There's a thought. Jesus did promise he's going to come again. But what I love about this part of the scripture, and it's the truth of the matter, is that someday Jesus promises that there will be no more war. The lion and the lamb will lay down together. That means this all this trials and tribulations and all this stuff that we're dealing with, and we watch the news, and it's hardly any you get, you know, you get 28 minutes of terrible news, and then you get two minutes a little highlight of a happy, happy, right? That's what we got. It's what we got. It's reality. And so Jesus says there's going to be a day, there's going to be a day that there won't be any more, that the Palestinians and the, and the, and the Jews won't be fighting and the, and the Ukraine people won't have to be fighting with the Russians and they won't have to deal with all this racism and anti-Jewish Semitism and all this awful stuff that we continue, that continues to be spewed in hatred. Jesus promises us Someday, there will be peace. 
I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. Last thing I think about is the idea of the promise of heaven. Because, see, ultimately, this is the whole Christmas story, isn't it? That, you know, from the stump, we've all been knocked down. Children of Israel have been knocked down. From the stump of Jesse has come, kind of come a sprout. From his root will come a branch. Netzer. And, and what I love about that is that this, this promise of everlasting life that we have through the gift of the resurrection, and it all comes through Jesus, but it goes back 3,000 years ago to the promises his reign will ultimately reign forever. Forever, 3,000 years ago. And, and what, I, I, what I love about this is I think about, you know, once again, I've tried to keep things kind of current. And, and the promise of heaven, and I think about different people that I've met in my life that I've learned something very, and their, and their faith is, it just speaks to my heart. It's powerful. And um, so I, I got two little stories. And what's interesting about these two, um, my clothes, this is where I'm going to, I'm getting, I'm actually, we're going to get done early today. This is amazing. And, and so, um, <laughs> don't hold your breath on that. We've got a song too. So, um, so I, I think about these two people. And um, one of them was Don, my friend Don Webb. God rest his soul. He um, died of cancer a few years ago. And he was such a good friend. And, and I remember having a conversation one day, him and Yavi were at their house and having, Don and I were having lunch with him. And, um, and I asked him about, because he wanted, he just needed some assurance. I wasn't quite sure why he wanted me to come over, but I think he just needed some assurance that, that God was going to take care of him. He needed to hear that from his pastor. And then I asked him about it, and he, this is what he said. He said, you know, Harold, I'm good. Are you sure? Yes, I'm good. So when he died, I really trust and believe that Don Whip went to heaven because he had made his peace with God and that he really loved God and he believed in the promise. And he found hope in the promise and the gift of the resurrection, which ultimately connects with the story and the nativity story of Jesus that ultimately connects with the story that goes back a thousand years before. Can I amen on that? I've, ha- I've tried to help you all kind of connect the dots today. And so, um, so the second person this last uh, couple of weeks ago, I was visiting her in the hospital. It's my friend C. Wilson, who's here today. I told her I was going to actually put her in my sermon. I'm, I, it's, I hope it's okay if I put her in my sermon. No, actually, I asked permission. And so um, I said, so Steve was going in for a procedure a month or two ago, and it had to do with a carotid artery. And she, um, so I went to visit her, and her daughter was sitting there, and. Um, and I said, so what are they going to do, see? And she began to explain to me the surgical procedure. She says, you know, Harold, they've never done this procedure at this particular hospital, and I don't think my doctor's ever done it. That ooh. <laughs> ooh. And then but she says, but it's supposed to be like the newest, best thing, and it's supposed to be much less evasive. And she just says, you know, I'm, I'm good. And then she went on this kind of, she began to explain to me in a very loving, gracious way. She said, you know, Harold, I, I've been so blessed. My, my life, I, I just, I've, been, I've been so blessed in my life. I'm grateful for my life. And, you know, if, if something happened to me, I'm good. And I could kind of feel that maybe that, that conversation about her possibly dying, it made her daughter kind of uncomfortable, but she, she wasn't uncomfortable. 
I really appreciated that conversation with both those people. And the reason why that um, I share that with you today, because this all goes full circle, doesn't it? Is it? It all comes from the, you know, the beginning of this whole story of David. Then it comes through all the prophets. And then we get to the nativity scene. And Gabriel telling Mary that her son is going to reign forever. And we continue to cling to that promise. And the theme through those, these last 3,000 years, folks, is the promise of hope. Even when we have felt like we have been cut down like a stump. And the promise of hope comes from, well, once again, the shoot from Jesse's stump. Man, I love that. So um, um, we're going to close with this song today. Um, Actually, Sean's going to play the song. I I love the song. I asked him specifically if he would sing this for us. And it has to do with um, make room in your heart for, for, for Christ and his story.